Are you awed by the University of Oxford's fame? Intrigued by its Saeed Business School? You're in luck. The MBA Recruitment and Admissions Manager for Saeed Business School is our guest today. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 457th episode of Mission Straight Talk. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get to our wonderful guest, I'd like to invite you to join me for our next live MBA webinar. I will present how to maximize your chances of acceptance and reduce your stress before the 2022 application season. And I'm going to present it tomorrow, February 15th. During the webinar, I'm going to give you a plan that will prepare you for a successful MBA application this fall. The presentation is free, but you do need to reserve your seat and you can do so at exhibit.com slash 457 webinar. Again, that's exhibit.com slash 457 webinar. It gives me great pleasure to have on Admission Straight Talk for the first time, Hannah Griffiths, MBA Recruitment and Admissions Manager for Said Business School at the University of Oxford. Hannah earned her master's in English from the University College Cork and shortly thereafter started working at Oxford in different roles and in different parts of the university. And she's been there for most of her professional career. Since November, 2019, just in time for the pandemic, she has been the MBA Recruitment and Admissions Manager for Oxford Said. Hannah, welcome to Admission Straight Talk. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for joining me again. Can you give us an overview of the Oxford Said MBA program for those listeners who aren't that familiar with it, focusing on its more distinctive elements? Yes, absolutely. Um, so the Said Business School is a business school that is embedded within Oxford University. Um, our MBA programme is a one-year MBA programme, um, and given that the business school is embedded within a world-class university, um, that does impact the MBA experience in a number of different ways. One of those ways being that the students can expect in the one-year programme a lot of academic rigour. Our programme is an intensive one-year MBA. It aims to include everything that a candidate would maybe anticipate finding on a two-year program but packed into a 12-month period. The main aim of the business school and of the MBA program is to prepare our students to be responsible business leaders and individuals who, as they move through their career in the future, are prepared to tackle world-scale problems, challenges, um, and to really see business as a vehicle to drive change. Um, be that within the organizations that they work in, the sectors that they choose to work in, in their communities, um, and sometimes on a larger scale in the countries that they choose to be based in. In addition to academic rigor, I guess some other things to highlight that students could anticipate finding on the Oxford MBA, an incredibly diverse cohort. So our student body is largely international. Um, our current class is 94% international with 71 different nationalities represented across the class. Um, and diversity of thought is something that's very important to us on the Oxford MBA as well. Um, so we have a very broad range of different sector backgrounds represented in our cohort. That also means that students can expect a diverse range of career outcomes um, and also a, a global alumni network that will be very far reaching in terms of its depth and breadth as well. 
and obviously access to the to the greater Oxford community network, yes. correct? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, which largely comes via their college membership while they're with us in Oxford. But in terms of that alumni network, absolutely, they gain the benefit of having a network that they will have via the business school, and then obviously uh, another network that comes via the university as well. Okay. Now we're going to get back to the college system in a minute, but I wanted to ask you, you know, one of the concerns with a one-year program is that maybe there won't be an opportunity for an internship. It's harder to make career changes. What, how would you address that concern? Yeah, really good question. Um, and as I said at the beginning, the, the Oxford MBA is certainly not for the faint-hearted in that it, it does aim to, to kind of pack all of those different components into the 12 months that students are with us. So we do have the option for students to do an internship when they are on the Oxford MBA. That comes in the summer semester of the programme um, where the students do have a bit of flexibility in choosing what they would like to spend that final semester on. Some students choose to do some additional electives at that point and to stay with us at Oxford kind of gain the last couple of months of opportunity to, to benefit from being part of the wider university um, but a, a good percentage of our students do choose to do an internship at that point usually about 30 to 40 percent of the cohort and there's also the option for students to do a strategic consultancy project at that point in the MBA as well so for any students who are looking to maybe pivot into consulting after the MBA that's a good opportunity for them to gain some kind of practice hands-on experience in that space as well. We have we find that a large percentage of our cohort do pivot after the programme, so I don't have a precise figure for the, the cohort just gone, but it usually tends to be about 65% of the class that will pivot their career after the MBA, with 35% either accelerating or returning to the company that they were part of before they joined us. Okay, great. And at this point, do people have any trouble going back to their home country? You said it's 94% international at Oxford. What about those who want to stay in the UK? Is the UK open to students staying for a couple of years? Yeah, really good period. question. Um, so I should have said in, in relation to the internship, obviously that's not tied to the UK solely. So we do have students who will go international for their internship opportunities if there is a particular market that they're keen to, to move to post MBA. But in terms of the opportunity to remain in the UK once they have completed the programme, that is something that's popular with our students. So ordinarily about 50% of our cohort will remain in Europe after the MBA, not specifically in the UK but we do envision that the percentage that opt to remain in the UK will increase in the coming years mainly due to the introduction of a new two-year post-study work visa that the UK okay. government have recently introduced so from the summer just past our MBA students have access to apply for that visa and it means that they can work in the UK for two years after they graduate from a program without needing company sponsorship to do so a great opportunity for MBA students who a lot of them want to gain kind of a couple of years of international exposure after they complete their MBA um, and for employers as well, because it obviously means they have the chance to, to have someone be part of their organization for a couple of years, make sure they're the right fit, and then potentially go on to sponsor them if, if they see a role for that person within the organization long term. So a really, really great opportunity for any MBA students who are keen to have the opportunity to stay in the UK after their MBA now. Thank you. Thank you very much for that answer. Now, you mentioned the college system at Oxford. Yes. 
that's very different. Can you describe yeah. it, please? Yeah, it's a really, really good question. And said definitely something that is unique to a, a small number of, of universities and um, that offer MBAs. So for anybody who's not familiar with Oxford University, it's essentially just set up or made up of academic departments and colleges. So for students who join us on the MBA, the academic department that they belong to is the Saeed Business School. And then in addition to their membership of the business school, they have the opportunity to become a member of one of Oxford University's 39 colleges. So the college benefits the experience in a number of different ways and is definitely a unique layer that's added on to the MBA experience at Oxford. So the, the main thing that it provides students with, I think, is access to an additional network not just a network of of different people to who they'll meet on the MBA, but people who are studying across a a broad range of of different subjects, essentially. So students find when they are at their college that if they they attend a dinner or a lunch there, for example, they'll sometimes be sitting opposite somebody who's doing a PhD in astrophysics and beside somebody who is studying a philosophy undergraduate. So that opportunity to really broaden their horizons and to gain insights, have conversations with people from different backgrounds, focusing on different areas is, is something that really adds to their MBA experience. It adds a very traditional Oxfordian element to the year that they're in Oxford. So anybody who has Googled Oxford and is familiar with those images of those historic beautiful college buildings it obviously provides access to those students who have maybe seen harry potter and are familiar (laughs) with the famous dining hall scene the college offers the opportunity to participate in that so our mba students will attend formal dinners at their colleges in those dining halls they'll have middle common rooms where they'll be able to meet and socialize with other students who are members of their college sports and societies absolutely they have access to those as well so MBA students will frequently play sports for their college um, or join clubs and societies at their college as well. It gives them access to things like the Oxford Union, so the the world famous debating society that is part of the university. A lot of MBA students get very actively involved in that for the year that they're with us. And I think just the Oxford brand and, and the college allows us to attract speakers, guests from across the world that maybe students wouldn't have access to until they come to somewhere like Oxford. So I know I've had conversations with MBA students before who have mentioned that they have gone to a talk at their college or at the Oxford Union and have met the the president of the country that they've come from and you know that's not something that they would ever have had the opportunity to do in their home country but somehow coming to Oxford has given them that opportunity as well so it really adds in that regard and then obviously from a practical perspective as well a lot of our students will source their accommodation etc via their college and they won't live on the college campus because that's largely kept for undergraduate students but their college will have accommodation options dotted around the city and a, a large percentage of MBA students will access that. So are the colleges defined by a specific interest? Are they randomly assigned? Is it 
an affinity really of question. some kind? Yeah, so there's the, the colleges themselves aren't associated with any specific academic department. So there's real diversity in terms of the subjects that students right. who belong to. But I mean, is it like, you know, study. soccer fans or football, as you would call it? Is it, um, is it you know, people who are into wine tasting or, or the arts or what, what would define a college? That's That's my question. Yeah, really good question. And it's something that MBA students will frequently ask as well, because once you are admitted onto the MBA, you do have the opportunity to apply to become a member of a particular college, um, which a lot of students enjoy the process of researching and deciding to do. There's very, very small differences between them. So I would say like students will sometimes choose based on very kind of practical reasons. So the colleges will vary in terms of the number of MBA students that they admit, for example. So some of our students will want to become part of a college where they know that there'll be a large number of MBA students. Other students want to be part of a college where they'll have the opportunity to really expand their network and will go somewhere where there's hardly any MBA students. Sports is a big driver in terms of selecting colleges. So all colleges will have sports teams, but some colleges will maybe have a better reputation than others for performing well in certain sports. Yeah, yeah. So there'll be aspects like that as well. A lot of students will look to alumni. So they'll look at maybe famous people who have, you know, come through different colleges over the years. And the university obviously has quite a, a, an exciting, extensive range of alumni that it can boast to have. So if you think of, of somewhere like Christchurch College, for example, that's where Lewis Carroll was a lecturer and is, is apparently where he came up with the storyline for Alice in Wonderland. Um, so, you know, there's all that history and tradition and all of the colleges will have their own unique stories that they can tell. And so students will be attracted to, to different aspects of that. But it's a really exciting part of, of the MBA journey at Oxford. So once you are admitted onto the programme, the next step then is, is researching the colleges and deciding which one you might want to apply to um, and then starting to look at how that can add to your MBA experience. Got it. Thank you. What is the one plus one program at Oxford? So we do have a, a two year program option at Oxford, which is the one plus one program. It provides students with the opportunity to gain two master's degrees from the University of Oxford. So the first year, the students will become a member of a different academic department, so not the business school. So they will apply to do an MSc at one of the other academic departments across the university where they offer one of the partner programmes for the one plus one. There's a really broad range of partner programmes available um, and they are run across a, a broad range of different departments. So the School of Geography, the Oxford Internet Institute, the Law Department, um, so a, a really, really broad range depending on the area of interest that a student wants to pursue and the idea is that in that first year you do a, a real deep dive into a particular subject area that you have an interest in a passion for or that a student sees as being key in terms of being able to move forward in their career after the MBA and then in the second year those students who are on the one plus one join us at the business school where they complete the one-year MBA program and that's an opportunity then to take the knowledge they have gained in that first year and look at how they can apply it in a more practical way. So in their career as a business leader moving forward, how can they apply that knowledge? How can they use it to, to drive change, to move their career forward, depending on, on what um, programme it is that they have opted to study? A wonderful opportunity 
for anybody who can take two years away from their career. It means you get to spend two years in Oxford, which is a, a wonderful experience for anybody, two years as part of a college. There's also an excellent scholarship opportunity attached to the One Plus One programme called the Pershing Square Scholarship, which is certainly worth researching for anybody who is possibly considering an application for the One Plus One and provides really great support in terms of tuition fees and living expenses for the two years that you're in Oxford, um, but also access to the Pershing Square Foundation and the, the leadership opportunities that they offer as well. Um, so it's a, a less well-known, I would say, and, and less popular programme currently than the one-year MBA, but is a, an amazing opportunity, as I said, for anybody who is looking to maybe take two years away from their career. And again, in terms of supporting a career pivot for anybody who feels that they're maybe lacking knowledge of a certain sector or area that the first year of the one plus one can really provide them with an opportunity to gain that before then looking at, at how they can apply that practically via the MBA. It does sound fascinating. One question I meant to ask you earlier and I, and I forgot to do so is, do you have one or two intakes a year? We have just one on the MBA. So September intake. All right. Okay. Okay, great. What don't people know about Oxford Said? that you would like them to know, or what's a common misconception about Oxford Said that you'd like to correct? That's a really great question. So I would say that the school is probably best known for its focus on social impact and its focus on entrepreneurship. So students who research the business school and research the MBA, those are probably the two main areas that will stand out to them um, in terms of what the school focuses on. So I would say probably a misconception as a result of that is that the the MBA at Oxford isn't for you if you're a finance professional or a consulting professional or somebody who's maybe looking to move into one of those two sectors after the programme. And actually, the reality in terms of the makeup of our cohort and in terms of, of the sectors that our students go on to work in after the MBA, those two sectors are actually quite quite well represented. So about 45% of our class will come from those sectors in advance of doing the MBA, and about 50% of our class will go on to work in, in those spaces after the programme. There is large numbers of our large aspects of the programme in terms of the curriculum itself, but also in terms of the co-curriculars that are designed to support students who are looking to move into those spaces. So obviously in terms of, of the core courses themselves, there's a large number of those that are finance focused. So for students who are maybe looking to pivot into that space, there is the opportunity to really study those subjects in depth on the MBA. One of our most popular co-curriculars on, on the Oxford MBA is our finance lab, which students, again, who are interested in, in either accelerating their career in finance or moving into the space really, really benefit from. Similarly, with students who are looking to maybe pivot into consulting, I mentioned the strategic consulting project already that they can do in the summer semester. Our Career Development Centre also run a consulting development programme throughout the academic year to support students who are looking to move into that space. And certainly in terms, again, of, of the, the finance focus, um, we have some world-renowned finance faculty at the business school as well. So I would say that's probably the more common misconception is that maybe if you are somebody who isn't interested or doesn't have experience of social impact or entrepreneurship that maybe Saeed's not for you and and the case is, is actually um, quite the opposite and um, we do have a focus on both those areas but we we equally have a focus on on finance consulting um, and a number of other industries as well. Thank you very much for that answer that was really clear. 
Okay, let's let's move to admissions here. Okay, now Saeed asks for a transcript, test score, a one-page resume, two references, a supporting statement, and then an online assessment before it starts evaluating the application and deciding whom to interview. What happens after the applicant hits submit and uploads the online assessment or takes the online assessment, I should say? I'm sure there's lots of people who actually wonder this. It's a really good question. So <laughs> once the applications come through to us, they are processed by members of our team. That usually can take kind of a two to three week period, depending on what stage of the application process we are at. And once they have been processed, their application will then be reviewed by the admissions committee. It will be reviewed twice by two individual members of that committee. And it will then be reviewed a final time by the more senior members of that admissions committee before a decision is made on whether or not that candidate will move through to interview. The applications at Oxford are really, really viewed holistically. So there's not a particular component of the application that holds more weight than others. When we are reviewing the applications, all of the different components are taken into account. Um, and we're really trying to get a sense from someone's application of who they are as an individual and what they could add to the cohort if they were to be admitted. So yeah, essentially that's it. it that process in, in terms of review usually again takes kind of between two to four weeks, depending on, on the stage deadline that we are at. Students will then be informed if they have been selected to move through to interview. And then that process will run usually again for about three to four weeks before students will learn if they have been successful and have been admitted to the program. A lot of applicants think that it's all about the GPA and the test score. Yes. What else are you looking for? Yeah, really good question. And definitely, I would say to anybody who has that concern, particularly in relation to GPA, which people will reference often, do not let that be a barrier to applying for an MBA. And also try not to spend too much energy worrying about it, because the GPA is the one component of the application that candidates can't influence. You know, it's it's the score that Can't they have it. completed their degree. And so essentially, if they have a concern around that area, I would say the best mindset to have is how you can focus on the other components that you can still control and make sure that they're really strong so that they essentially outweigh any concerns that you might have about your GPA. I would take a similar approach with the GMAT, to be honest. So it is an important aspect of the application, but essentially what we're looking to see via your GMAT score is that you are somebody that would be able to cope with the academic rigor of the programme, particularly with the quantitative element of the programme. But there is a broader range of scores represented across our class than candidates would often anticipate. And students who come through with a lower GMAT score are people who demonstrate strength in other areas of the application. So that sometimes via the work experience that they've had across their career to date. There are individuals who are able to show us that they've enjoyed good career progression and that they've maybe had good international exposure across their career to date, that they've had leadership opportunities that they've been able to embrace. The personal statement that they can write really allows them to give us a sense of their individual story. So again, we're really looking for authenticity to try to get a sense of, of who somebody is via the application. And then similarly through the online assessment, 
assessment, um, which I think is a really key component of the application in terms of showing the committee a little bit more of your personality. It gives us a sense of your communication style, of the experience you have that you might be able to draw on and share with your classmates if you were part of the programme. Um, and all of those things are, are of equal importance to us when we are deciding whether or not it's somebody who we would want to put through to interview and ultimately admit to the class. Why do you need both the online assessment and, and the interview? Yeah, really good question. And sometimes candidates do assume, I think, because we have the online assessment that it has replaced the interview. So it's good to clarify that it definitely hasn't. Um, so the online assessment is brief in terms of the amount of, of information students can provide. So it involves them video recording answers to three questions, but those answers are, are 90 seconds or 60 seconds in length. So it gives us a taste maybe of what that individual might be like, but probably doesn't give us enough of a sense of, of of their personality and, and how they might be within the cohort. Um, the interview also allows us the opportunity to just explore some of the other components of the application in a little bit more detail. So particularly the career plan is something that we will talk to candidates a lot about at interview. Um, and, and also, as I said, really just trying to get a sense of, of who they are and, and of what they might add to the cohort. And similarly for candidates, I think the interview is a really important part of the process because it's their opportunity to maybe learn a little bit more about whether they think the business school is the right place for them. And, um, you know, we're, we're very aware that a lot of, of candidates who apply to the Oxford MBA are applying to a number of other business schools as well. And so the interview process is an opportunity for them to try to get a sense of, okay, is this a business school where I would fit? Is this a program where I can really benefit in terms of my future aims and the career outcomes that I'm looking to achieve? And so the interview, I would say, is maybe more conversational sometimes than candidates would expect and it does really give them that opportunity to make sure that the business school might be the right place for them as well. I assume that right now all interviews are, are virtual is that correct? Yes. And before COVID were some virtual and some um, in person? Yeah absolutely so pre-COVID the majority of our candidates still did their interviews online pre-COVID. We used to run a, a number of in-person interview days at the business school. So for candidates who were UK based or had easy access to the UK, they were invited to travel and to come and have their interview in person. And then we would also have members of our teams um, who would travel to different cities around the world at different stages and offer the opportunity for in-person interviews to candidates that way as well. Obviously, since the pandemic, those two routes have have gone and so all of our candidates currently are doing their interviews online. We certainly have an appetite to return to, to being able to offer some in-person interviews in the future if we can. Um, I think for this recruitment cycle it's unlikely because our, our stage one, two and now three applicants will all be doing their interviews on Zoom so for stage four I would imagine that we will do the same thing but certainly in the future if we are able to reintroduce the in-person element we would definitely like to do so. Okay great. Now We've obviously reviewed a lot of applications at this point in time. What is the most common mistake that you see applicants making? And I don't, I don't mean typos or, or things like that. I mean, kind of in their approach to the application or perhaps how they portray themselves. What, what do you see? Yeah. I would say it's a really interesting question and it's one I wonder if, if different members of our team would answer differently depending on, on their experience of reviewing applications. I think for me, the biggest mistake that a candidate can make is trying to fit a profile that they think the business school is looking for 
rather than being themselves via the application. Mm. So at Oxford, that, that's something I mentioned already, you know, the school is well known for having an impact focus. And I think as a result, based on the research they've done in advance of the application, candidates feel that they have to mention something about having an interest in impact or some experience of impact. And that if they don't get that across in their application, that, you know, Saeed won't be interested in them as a candidate. And so they're almost trying to kind of give an impression of themselves that they think is what the school is looking for, when in reality, as I said, what we're really looking for is to get a sense of, of who each candidate is. So we really encourage people to be authentic. I mentioned at the beginning that diversity of thought is really important mm. to us at Said, And, you know, that means that, yes, there's huge value to having individuals in the class who either have experience of working in impact or who have a passion for impact. But we also need to hear the opinions and voices of people who have no experience of working in that space and who maybe think that it's a challenge to introduce that focus in a finance career based on the experience that they've had to date. So we value all of those opinions and, and there's space for all of those candidates in our cohort. Um, you know, Oxford is all about debate, discussion, challenge. And so we need a, a myriad of different voices represented across our class. And so I would say that, that's the biggest mistake an applicant can make is, is thinking that they need to come across as being a certain type of individual to be admitted to the school. Um, when really we are, we're looking for you just to be yourself and there's space for everybody regardless of of you know the the opinions that they have or where their passion lies and so yeah I would that that's the biggest piece of advice I could give via the application just do your very best to be yourself and give us a sense of who you are that's a great piece of advice we had um on the podcast a few weeks ago and I'll link to it in the show notes an EMBA student from Oxford yeah I saw that yes he was great he was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, we will definitely will link to it. Yeah, he had a really interesting career journey. Fascinating career journey. Yeah. But he also was very genuinely interested. His whole career was devoted to social impact. Yeah. He didn't, there was no question that that was his passion. Yeah. You know, he had, I think, 15, 20 years experience, not 20. What am I talking about? Definitely 20 in, in social impact and, and worked for The Hague. I mean, fascinating career. So if you're going to try and fake it and you're up against that kind of commitment and, and genuine passion for a particular topic, it's just really hard to do. You might as well just be yourself. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, I'm sure that his colleagues on, on the executive MBA are benefiting so much from the experience that he has had in, in his career to date. But I'm sure he's equally as, you know, benefiting as much from, you know, the CEO of, uh, you know, a, an organization that's worked in the tech space, right. um, you know, or a senior finance professional who's part of the executive MBA as well. So, you know, as I said, that that diversity is what we're looking for at Oxford. And, and there's value to all of, of those experiences that candidates. Oh, he's loving the program. Of. He's absolutely loving the program. Great but um, anyways, getting back to admissions, one of the trends in US MBA admissions is test optionality and test waivers. Any plan to go in that direction at Oxford Said? No, not that I am aware of. It's interesting. So I would think for, for us at Said, we would probably be impacted in making a change like that by being part of the wider university so obviously because students are applying to us at the business school but they are applying to a, a program of the university there are some requirements 
that we would have to probably apply to the university if we wanted to change them, which can be quite a, a tricky process. Um, so certainly we would be slightly limited that way, but I, I don't think there's an appetite for that at the business school, to be honest. And again, I think for us, because the, the GMAT and GRE scores are an important indication of a candidate's ability in relation to be able to, to participate in the programme. But because we do review applications holistically, and as I said earlier, we have a very broad range of scores represented across the cohort. I don't think that there is a, a need for us to. I, I don't think that candidates who maybe have a lower score or who are maybe applying for the programme, you know, coming from a part of the world where standardised testing isn't a thing. You know, we have students who apply to the programme where you can't actually even take the GMAT in the country that they currently live in so you know we we do review the the scores with a, a regional lens from that perspective and and take that into account when we're reviewing applications so i think for us there's there's no sense that a gmat or gre score really impedes a candidate from being considered for a place on the program and so as a result we, we don't really have an appetite to get rid of the scores okay what would you say to applicants who want to apply this year they'd love to start with the next cohort but they're concerned about applying late. Yes. By the time this interview airs, your stage three due date will be the next day. And most people will be wondering if it makes any sense to apply stage four, which has an April 20th due date. How would you respond to that? Yeah, really good question. So yes, you're absolutely right. So our stage three deadline is passed. So candidates can no longer apply in that stage. So we have one stage remaining. I would say if you are somebody who is tied to starting your MBA in September 2022, so that's when you need to do it for either personal or professional reasons, then I would absolutely encourage you to apply in stage four. I understand people's hesitancy around that. So it, it is a more competitive application stage than some of the earlier stages and there is a smaller amount of scholarship and funding opportunity for candidates who apply um, at that stage in the process. However, candidates who have strong applications for the programme will be admitted regardless of the stage that they apply. So there will be spaces available. And if you are somebody who has a strong application ready to go and you are committed to starting your MBA in September 2022, then I would absolutely encourage you by all means go for a stage four. I think if you are somebody who isn't tied to a September 2022 start and you have the option to start in September 2023 and, and there's no cons to doing so, then there are obviously advantages to applying in the earlier stages of, of the next application cycle. But certainly if that's not an option for you um, and you're ready to go in terms of, of having your application largely ready at this point, then we would absolutely encourage you to apply in stage four. Okay, great. What advice would you give someone thinking of fall 2022 or later application? Yeah, so essentially people who are looking to apply in the next cycle. So maybe exactly. starting, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. So I would say start planning early. So particularly if you are somebody who is coming to maybe the GMAT or GRE as a, a fresh starter, you don't have a score already, make sure that you give yourself enough time to prepare for those tests. So we recommend usually about three months if you're starting from scratch to, to do prep to, to give yourself a chance to come through with a competitive score. You also maybe want to give yourself a, a window to potentially take the test 
again in advance of the stage deadline. So we often find candidates are scoring quite well on practice tests, but then when they come to sit for real, for whatever reason, their score drops a little bit. So giving yourself that window of opportunity to maybe sit again can be good in advance of an application. And that's certainly not something that's frowned upon. I think sometimes candidates worry that it looks bad if they take the, the GMAT or GRE a number of times. It's absolutely the opposite. So I think it shows the level of, of perseverance and a, and a dedication to wanting to put your best foot forward in terms of an MBA application. So that's absolutely not viewed negatively by the committee at, at Said in any regard. So planning in terms of your GMAT GRE. I would also say planning in terms of funding is important. So there are a large number of, of scholarship opportunities available at Oxford, but I think it's good for candidates, even in that early stage, to start thinking about how they're going to finance their MBA. And if they are somebody who's admitted to the programme who's not successful in securing a scholarship, that they're aware maybe of what their options are in terms of other funding opportunities so it's good to do that research in advance of of your application as well research in general is important i would say so you know certainly do your research around the the business school with a view to working out if you feel it's the right place for you but don't let that research impact your application too much. So don't try to shoehorn yourself into the type of candidate that you think we're looking for based on that research. Use it as, as a guide for you to make sure that you think Saeed is a place that you would fit and a place that you would benefit from the programme. But then, as I said earlier, just aim to be yourself through, through the application. Great advice. Thank you very much. What would you have liked me to ask you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Interestingly, I would say that something that candidates often want to ask us about, or maybe that we don't address in terms of the events and stuff that we run, are rankings. Um, okay. which I know is something that is really important to candidates when they are researching MBA programs. And, you know, as I said earlier, we know that candidates are, are looking at a number of different schools and ranking obviously plays a part in terms of the schools that they are looking at. And we do sometimes have candidates who will reach out to us and, and say, you know, the business school looks great, the MBA looks great, but your ranking is, is lower than some of the other schools that I'm looking at. So I guess for us, it's an area that we, we should talk about a bit more in terms terms of, of why the school ranks where it does and, and our kind of feelings around that, um, which I think are, are largely based around what the school is all about and what we're trying to do with the MBA programme, which is, as I said, you know, try to create responsible business leaders who are going to go on and, and take on world scale challenges as, as they move across their career in the future. The diversity that we have in our cohort leads obviously to a, a diversity in terms of career choices in the future as well. And that leads to a diversity of salaries, maybe that other business schools don't have. Um, and, you know, for people who aren't aware, salaries play a big part in terms of, of business school rankings, which is something that impacts Saeed quite strongly. But I think because we feel very strongly about what we're trying to do with our MBA programme and about, you know, the skills and the ideas that we're trying to instill in our students. We embrace that diversity and what we're trying to do over 
a higher ranking, which we could probably go for if we really wanted to. And, you know, the school ranks, the school ranks well in a number of areas that are really important to us. So one of the things that I haven't touched on is, is gender diversity in our MBA cohort. Saeed always ranks really highly in terms of, of the, the female representation that you'll find on our MBA. 44% of our current class are female, 47% of our last cohort were female, and we're pushing all the time to move towards 50% representation in our MBA class. So we'll always rank really high in, in rankings in that regard. We always rank really well as well in terms of achieving aims. You know, students who come in our programme, they, they, they score the school really highly in that regard as well. So those are things that we maybe value a little bit more. But yeah, I think that's something maybe that candidates would probably not have expected me to say is something that I would have liked to have been asked about but I do think it's an important part of of the conversation because it is something that candidates will look at when they're thinking about applying to a school um, and it's good maybe to give them a sense of of why Saeed doesn't rank as highly as maybe they would be anticipating it too. Right your the international makeup of your class may also influence the salary yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, that diversity, as I said, is is really key to what we're looking for our students to experience when they're on the programme. It's the programme is designed to be incredibly collaborative. And we believe very strongly that the students on the programme can learn as much from their colleagues in the class as they can from the faculty, the careers team, the research that's available to them at Oxford. And so we would certainly value embracing that diversity all of the time over having a, a higher ranking potentially. All right, well, thank you. I'm really glad you asked and answered that question. Yes, Appreciate thank you for the it. opportunity. People don't normally <laughs> give you that chance, so thank you. Thank you also for joining me today. Where can listeners and potential applicants learn more about Oxford Saeed's full-time MBA program? Yes, so our website is probably the best place for students to go. You can download our brochure there. We also have an events page on our website that we would really recommend prospective candidates looking at. We run a number of different virtual events across the year that we would absolutely love for people to join if they are interested in learning a bit more about the programme. And then obviously very happy to have any listeners reach out to me via LinkedIn as well if they are interested in learning more about the Oxford MBA. Wonderful. Thanks again to you. Listener, thank you too for joining Hannah Griffiths, MBA Recruitment and Admissions Manager at Oxford Said Business School, and me for our 457th episode. We're going to include links in the show notes at accept.com slash 457 to Oxford Said, as well as to related articles and interviews, including the interview with the Oxford Said EMBA student that I mentioned during the interview. They're all linked to at accept.com slash 457. Quick reminder, don't forget to register for how to maximize your chances of acceptance in 2022 and reduce your stress in the application process. This is a free webinar that I will present on Wednesday. That's tomorrow, February 16th. Although complimentary, you do need to save your seat. You can do so at exhibit.com slash 457 webinar. Again, exhibit.com slash 457 webinar. Thanks again for coming. This is a Mission Straight Talk produced by Accepted. And I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week. 